This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome back to Half Measures with me, Paul Canera, and my co-host, Dan Whiting. Dan, I can see you're laughing already. I know I've done it again. I've done my late night radio introduction. Um, no, it's good, Paul. It's good. It's good. You know what they say in half measures. We, I don't know what they say. They don't say anything. We take a half measure. We, we, we don't, don't start know. again. We don't start again, right? Nah, it's, it's, we're, not, we're not about that. We're about uh, coming to you, our true authentic selves, which is important. It is. And if maybe one day we'll share the video so people can really see how, how true and authentic we really are. <laughs> that, that might have to be like a, a Patreon tier, you know, to see behind the scenes. People that want to pay to see behind the scenes of this show, thats that sounds awesome. I'm yeah, on board amazing. with that. So, Dan, um, let's get straight into the, the, the well-known agenda. Tell me, what have you been watching this week? Well, as you can imagine, um, we are still very deep in the world of Homeland. Um, so not quite finished, as you uh, predicted Mm. Um, on the last episode, we have got one more episode of season six to go, um, which is great news um, for me because then we'll be on to new content that I haven't seen. Uh, but in saying that, I've, I've just forgotten so much of what's happened. Um, and so it's kind of bittersweet because I'm a, looking forward to Homeland like I'm looking forward to kind of being done with it because I feel like I've just watched so much of it over the last two weeks that it's maybe a little bit too intense, but I've really enjoyed it at the same time. Um, and I am, so yeah, just about finished season six. We'll finish that tonight. Um, and I'm also watching a bit more Seinfeld as well. So I'm up to season, I'm in, I don't know, midway through season two um, and really enjoying it, finding it to be a, a really nice uh, palate cleanser. It definitely is a show. Well, I do not think they could make that show today, the way that it's made. It is uh, It's so on PC. In fact, um, this, is, this might be going a little bit dark, but one of the episodes I watched the other night, uh, Kramer was making almost kind of fun of someone um, who was going to commit suicide. He's yep. like, oh, just jump, just do it. And it's like, oh, it felt so wrong. It felt... Um, we, we don't we don't talk like that these days. So, no, it was a, uh, but it's still good. It's still got um, lots of laughs, and I, I, it really just sits with me that comment that you made that so many of the things that happen in this show could be managed by some better communications and a cell phone. So, exactly. yeah. It, it what about yourself? Work, it, look, it wouldn't work in, in in this day and age because of those reasons you you've talked about, um, and. It makes me think about this Friends reunion that's being talked about. I think it's an HBO special and just sort of thinking, you know, it always sounds good in principle, but will the, will the magic still be there? I don't know. Um, it's, yeah, so Seinfeld. 
Yeah, because I think it's often funny, isn't it? Like, I feel like, why do we want these groups to get back together? Um, sometimes it's actually better just for, you know, it was a a piece of um, entertainment or art or whatever whatever you want to view it as for its time and it kind of made sense mm-hmm. and we can go back and watch it um, and it kind of reminds us of a different time um, for better or worse sometimes. But to bring it all back together, yeah, I don't know. I, I, these reunion shows don't overly get me excited and I think a really good example for me is um, Arrested Development. So that's a show I, I really love. And the first three seasons of that, just absolutely awesome. And um, about 10-ish years later, they, they made a fourth, fifth season, and it's just yeah. not as good. It's, you know, it was better just as a as a really awesome um, piece for its time. But anyway, I digress. What have, what have you been watching, Paul? Well, I've got one more question for you before I dive into my stuff, and that is on, on Homeland. Uh, what's your thoughts? Because I, I said the last time we spoke, I think, uh, that the seasons get better with each season, with the exception of season three, is that kind of been the right sort of vibe, or what, have you had a favourite season? Mm, it's a good. It's a good question. I think that it's a very different show. I think throughout the seasons, um, season three was definitely the not bad, but definitely the weaker of the show, like of the of the seasons, because I feel like it's it's so high paced and so um, adrenaline fueled for. Um, seasons one and two, and then three kind of been more of the the aftermath. It kind of I felt like you really kind of slow that tempo down a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's, I think that yes, they're they're getting better, but they're all kind of consistently good. I think the thing that we are struggling with when we watch it a little bit is. I kind of hate it when um, Carrie and Sol aren't in sync, and that they're the tension strong between them. Um, we really don't like what's happened to Quinn because he's such a great character. Um, I don't like, like I feel like it was it was so much about the CIA, and now the CIA is almost the enemy. Yeah. Um, and so, I feel like I want you to ask me that question again when I've finished season seven and eight, and okay. uh, and sort of, and maybe we have a bit of a deep dive into it because um, I, it's all so it's all blended into one giant blob of Homeland for me, but it's overall. Yeah, it's still a, a great bingeable high watch series. Great. Okay, we'll revisit that question next time. So, um, me, I have continued the, the morning Transformers watch, the evening Seinfeld, as you talked about, uh, community. We've been carrying on with that. Uh, the movie of the week this week for us was something that's been on the watch list for a while, and I, I kind of had read a few things that made me think, oh, this isn't going to be great, but I still really wanted to watch it, and that was the latest Predator movie, The Predator. Um, now, first of all, have you seen this movie, Dan? I haven't seen it. I have seen it on um, on Neon, I think, and I thought to myself, oh, I should watch it at some point, but it's, to be honest, I'm I'm not afraid of spoilers. I'm not, like, okay. my, I'm not a, yeah, go for it. I, I'm not necessarily going to dive too much into, into spoilers, but, uh, so that it, it carries on within the Predator universe. I saw it on on Neon, as you said, as well. Uh, and I could tell within the first five minutes that it had a real B-grade feel. Straight away, you knew you were in for a B-grade movie. It just it just felt that way entirely. Um, and so in that respect, it's not a great movie. However, 
there's something about a B-grade movie that when you know it's a B-grade movie, and if it sort of plays up to that sort of genre of the B-grade, it actually can be really, really enjoyable and really, really entertaining. Um, kind of like I imagine The Fast and the Furious probably is uh, in that respect. Um, but don't confuse an A-grade movie with a B-grade movie. You know, like if you want to, if you want to bring in some Star Trek um, oh. references, we can do that later. But okay, tip for tat there, nicely done. Um, th- th- some of the cast was really good in this in this movie. Uh, Boyd Holbrook is uh, the the lead, and he is absolutely fantastic in Narcos seasons one to three. Uh, Olivia Munn from X Men. Uh, Jake Boosie, who plays a descendant of his own father, Gary Boosie's character from Predator 2, I think it was. Um, Yvonne Strahovski, who plays Serena in Handmaid's Tale. So there's, there's a few decent actors and actresses in the movie. Um, but yeah, there, and there's some really good cheap trash lines that really are hilarious. Um, but within the scope of the Predator universe, um, I really like the Robert Rodriguez Predators movie. And for me, this isn't quite up to that standard. So it was a little disappointing, but Saturday night popcorn, bit of fun. If you know going in, it's B-grade. I think you might get something out of it. And if you like the Predator franchise, it's less offensive than the Alien versus Predator movies. So maybe give it a go in that respect. It's interesting you say about um, when, a, when a movie knows it's B-grade. Like there's some movies that I actually really enjoy um, like they wouldn't be top ten movies, but they're, they're such a great popcorn watch. Like um, a recent one that comes to mind for me is the Baywatch movie. So a movie which like it's it's pretty terrible, let's be honest, but it's a great like popcorn watch. Like it's corny, it's cheesy, it's kind of got some great callbacks to the Baywatch TV series. Um, but it, it it knows what it is, and it, it, it's a good time. Okay. Nice, and I I feel like I could almost drag A-Team into that, the movie The A-Team mm. with Liam Neeson uh, as a similar sort of vibe, but that movie was possibly less B-grade. Um, we've binged watched six out of seven episodes of the first season of Run. Uh, this was the show I've been sort of talking about watching for a while, so I was really excited to get into that. Uh, this is with Merritt Weaver um, from Unbelievable, and uh, she played Denise in The Walking Dead. She's a fantastic actress. Uh, Dalma Hall Gleason, um, General Hux. Two really, really strong leads, both really, really good. I did not enjoy this, and I we only have one more episode to go, and we will watch it, but it's... It's one of those shows, again, not giving too many spoilers, where it's just hard to relate to the lead characters because both of them, within the context of the story of the series, are doing things which aren't, they're not okay. They're, they're, they're making bad life decisions. They're affecting the, the lives of other people in a not good way. And so it's really hard to, to really relate to them. And uh, my wife picked up on that pretty early as something that wasn't sitting well with her. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, you're, you're right. And Look, I got sold on this series because it's a Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you know, it's got her name all over it. But when you actually pay attention to the credits, she's not the writer. She's She only has a minor starring role. She's actually just an executive producer. So I think I feel like I've been tricked into watching something which I thought was going to be of Fleabag-type quality. In it. And it, for me, it's really not. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah, not everything we're going to watch is going to be great, right? But that's a shame because I feel like yeah you have been talking about this show a lot and I've um, I've seen it around the place as well and it's really 
I think piqued a lot of people's interest who are fans of Fleabag. So it's it's a shame to hear that it's maybe not so good. And I think even more shocking is, Paul, you're one of the most optimistically positive people I know about many things. So when that's you right. tell me you didn't enjoy something, that's wow, wow. No. I'll be look. I've got more to come, so, so 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 strap yourself in, as you've said to me in the past. Um, uh, there's more to come, um, but I'll be keen to hear your view on it if you ever if you ever do watch it. Um, yeah, look, it's it's on my list. I I was waiting for the which there's one more episode to come out. So I think yeah. after um, I think we're just so deep in the homeland. Isn't this? So we need to clear the clear the runways for that. Absolutely. Um, it did make me think uh, that comment you made about characters making bad decisions, and that's kind of just to bring it back to Homeland for a moment. Is Carrie Matheson the queen of bad decisions mm-hmm. and also good decisions? But there's nothing more frustrating when you're yelling at the TV, being like, "No, don't do that!" Like, like this is a terrible decision. Like, and kind of just seeing these characters kind of um, self. I don't know. It's it's horrible to kind of see these characters kind of um, do things that are damaging when they they should have learned the lesson already. And I guess that's that's a little bit of real life. And like without knowing the context of Run, um, it's probably quite different to Homeland. But that definitely reminded me of that. Yeah, it's uh, look. You're 100 percent right about Carrie in that respect. And one of the things that makes her character uh, so fascinating is. Um, what you've just picked up on uh, just to finish my rant on tv shows um i've also been uh, watching narcos mexico season two um or as some people were referring to it as narcos season five this is a show which i've historically loved uh the the previous seasons have always been really really high i think narcos season three made it to number two on my top 10 list of like 2018 uh, it was really that good this latest season hasn't been as good. It's not been as intense. The story feels just drawn out. It feels like they covered in 10 episodes uh, enough story for five episodes. Um, and so I I kind of feel like it's 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 just gone off track a little bit. It's not been up to the same quality of the, the Pablo Escobar type stories that they had in the early seasons. Um, Diego Luna, uh, who is uh, probably most famous for his role as uh, Cassian Andor in Rogue One, uh, is absolutely superb as Felix Gallardo, um, the Mexican drug kingpin. And and look, it's it's actually trending at 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So maybe this is me once again being harsh. I don't know. I'm having Maybe I'm having a real harsh week in, in terms of what I'm judging shows, right? Yeah, that's uh, again, um, I know it's a favourite series of yours, so, yeah, interesting that it's uh, not quite stacking up. Bringing it back up, though, um, we've got back into Blacklist Season 7. And what I found doing that, getting back into that show, is I always come back to it. I never prioritize this show, and I always feel bad because I come back and James Spader, Megan Boone, and the, the, the rest of the crew are sort of there waiting for me. And they're you know sort of like, oh, oh, you decided to come back, did you? Here's some TV for you. And it's always really good. It's always easy to watch. It's always a really high quality show. And as I think I've talked about before, that's a couple of the middle seasons got a little bit, you know, not so not so hot. This latest season is really, really good. And um it's uh it's been more it's probably been the highlight of my watching for the week, the blacklist season seven. So um that's that's what I've been watching this week. 
Awesome. So it sounds like a, a lot of variety as opposed mm. to my non-stop homeland from um, the moment I finish work to the moment I go to bed. To just, it's good. It's good. A bit of variety. Spice of life. It's brilliant. Mm. Cool. So um, what else is going on, Paul? Have we got any um, – now I'm going to catch you off guard here because we probably haven't really prepared for this properly – is we were going to bring in that new segment about industry news. Yeah, so I've got a couple of bits and pieces. What do you got? Just to, to take us straight back into the, the Star Wars uh, universe, um, we've had all those rumors about the Mandalorian. Um, now we have Jimmy Smith's uh, reprising his role, potentially, apparently. I mean, it's been on The Hollywood Reporter, so that's always like a really reputable one, right? Uh, coming back as Bail Organa in the Cassian Andor series, so um, back with... Diego Luna, who I was just talking about from from Naco. So um, that's a character that I I really enjoy in Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. And also uh, Mon Mothma could be returning as well. So from Rogue One, from uh, Return of the Jedi. So that'd be great to have her in that series. So uh, that's what I've got on the Star Wars front. Um, We've also got the, on, on Star Wars, the, um, the Justified Guy. Uh, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. Yes, that's right. Um, who's going to – God, I'm tripping over myself. Um, cast as a some type of sheriff role and apparently wearing um, a Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor in some in some capacity. This, this excites me because – and I'll be real brief on this, but there's a, a book called Aftermath, which is a canon Star Wars novel, and you know I love the canon Star Wars novels. Uh, but in that book – uh, a, a character shows up wearing what appears to be Boba Fett's armor that he apparently got from Jawa's, uh, who scavenged it from Jabba's crashed um, cell badge. So it feels to me like if the rumors about Boba Fett are true, and this guy's also in the movie, it's kind of like Boba's coming out of the Sarlacc and saying, hey, I'll have that armor. That's mine. Mm, mm. Who knows? I'm, I'm complete speculation here. But yeah, a very exciting rumor. Do we know how many episodes we're in for yet on The Mandalorian Season 2? Are we in for another eight? Are we in for ten? Are we in for 400? Because yeah. I feel like we need 400. I don't know. And John Favreau and Dave Filoni have yet to uh, get back to me on that. Uh, so if I get an update, I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, no, I have been looking out for that because I think that's kind of important in terms of because you've picked up on how many characters we've got. Um, and if we're going to have this many characters, we need more episodes to, to sort of probably justify that, right? Mm-hmm. So the one bit of um, news that I think is interesting, it's not really a show that's really on my radar, is that, um, I don't know if, you, if you've watched or you know about the, the Batwoman TV show. Mm. So uh, Ruby Rose, who has played Batwoman for this season, um, is not coming back for season two. Now, I've only watched uh, one episode of Batwoman, it, like it was... To be honest, a little bit mediocre for me. Um, it kind of had a little bit of a the arrow, the flash um, type vibe. Could be okay, but just never really had time to fit it into my schedule. But I think it's really fascinating for like Ruby Rose isn't necessarily a a, a huge name. I would have thought in Hollywood circles to. Um, Leave a, leave a role like this. Yeah, I, I read about that and it felt quite 
extraordinary because you think, you know, without being judgmental, it feels like this would be a great role for someone who's making their way in in Hollywood to mm. sort of, and, you know, she's just given no real reason. She's been very gracious in her exit in terms of thanking everyone. And the show producers have said they're going to carry on with the show. So, yeah, it sounds like they're just going to do a straight recast, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, no, really interesting. And I think, um, obviously, the whole the whole Black Woman characters are, um, it gets a lot of media attention, um, both for being Batwoman and for being a, um, a LGBTQ character. Um, and I know that there's lots of interest and lots of interesting speculation around who could fill those boots. But a, a shout out for uh, Ruby Rose, though. She's got a really awesome uh, Leonardo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tattoo on her arm. And I think that's pretty cool. So Did not, did not know that. Did not know that. Interesting. Uh, yeah. The last couple of pieces of news that I have. Um, so last week I broke the reporting on the news of the rumoured uh, new Star Trek series, which like within 24 hours became fact. And so they announced uh, Strange New Worlds as the latest Star Trek television series, which will feature the three characters who joined Discovery um, playing Captain Pike, uh, Mr. Spock, and number one so that'll be a standalone series at least one series to start and then we'll see where it goes from there but pretty exciting so do you think um that will for that might be too, a little bit too soon to say that will be a, a netflix show for us here in new zealand or the, the likelihood is it will either be yeah it'll either be that or it may be uh, amazon prime so um this, right uh, that makes sense yeah. so just like right. uh, the, the picard series um mm. and that was pretty much I wouldn't say confirmed, but it was it was talked about on a um, another podcast. Um, in fact, the the people who've brought this podcast to you today, uh, Mission Log Pod, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, we had a a live podcast last week, and they talked about how that show will be delivered, and it's expected to be uh, in that in that way. So, um, yeah, really exciting for Star Trek fans. Um, and the last piece of news I have is that Zack Snyder is going to be releasing the Snyder Cut that has been talked about for ages of the Justice League movie, um, a movie that I actually am a fan of, despite most of the pretty much uh, uni- universal hatred of the movie, at least in, to, to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, that's going to be coming to HBO Max uh, next year, uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So be interesting to see how that looks compared to the, the the one that was released for us so far. I think it's really interesting, right? Because I am I know that when the the hype started around the Snyder Cup and there was lots of those um lots of those big uh actor, actors and actresses retweeting release the Snyder Cut. And there's some interesting conversation I thought around that because it's not just a matter of releasing a new cut. There's a whole bunch of uh, special effects and work that needs to actually go into getting that um, new footage or adjusted footage right. And I think um, what would have originally happened when um, Zack Snyder um, left, the, left the project, the footage that he had hasn't probably been edited. So it's really interesting to see that they're A, going to do it. And I've read somewhere that I think there's about a $20 million budget, $20 million budget going with it to Correct. do all of this additional editing, which is, is pretty cool. So they're obviously putting a lot of energy and effort into and They obviously see something good here to, to share with the world. So, look, I think it's going to be really interesting. Exciting news. That's all we've got, I think, on the news front. Cool. 
All right. So, um, what, what's uh, our topic of the week, Paul? So, topic of the week is top ten TV characters, and we've left it as broad and as simple as that. We haven't sort of left us, you know, going in a direction of they have to be the good guys or the bad guys. Just simply top ten TV characters, right? And so, like many of our other lists, they're not necessarily in any order. They're just uh, 10, 10 of our favourites. Cool. Um, and I would imagine there might be, or there may not be, a few characters that we have on the list, like uh, of our individual list, but well, I guess we'll just work that out as we go along. Yeah. So do you want to kick us off then? Yeah, sure. So this, again, was quite a a, a tough a really tough process to actually go through. Um, and I found myself wanting to, like, am I thinking about this from a, a comedy point of view? Is it a drama point of view? Is it, it how to, how, again, how much does recency kind of come into play here? Um, mm. But anyway, here's my 10. Um, I'll my first one, and I'm actually going to go with Dwight Schrute from The Office. So um, played by uh, Rain Wilson. And so The Office is a, a show, which I've said many times on here, that I, I absolutely adore. And the character of Dwight is just so wonderful and so amazing. And he's a complete um, nightmare and got the sweetest heart at the same time. And I just love the, the role that he plays in the show, um, his rivalry with Jim, um, just everything, everything about his character, it brings me joy. I, I, I love seeing him play the role of Dwight. I couldn't think of anyone else doing it. Um, and it's probably one of the characters that brings me back to the show every time I start an Office rewatch. Great choice. What a great way to kick us off. I love this character as well. Um, just the look of Dwight as well, just the, with those glasses, with that ill-fitting suit. Um, as you the said, mustard shirt, yeah. Oh, just such a great, great choice. And yeah, his uh, his relationship with Jim was just for me. You know, we talk about the Office UK and the Office US. The, the relationship with Jim superseded for me the relationship between Tim and Gareth in the UK Office. I just felt they took that to another place. And just uh, I, I, yeah, fantastic choice, Dan. Fantastic. He's a character too, which you know. Um, and I know that the US show obviously went on for many, many more seasons, so they had more time to explore it. But being able to see um, Dwight's life outside of the office is just so great. Seeing, seeing him on the beet farm, seeing the you know his kind of his old world values that he still holds on to. It's 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 so good, it's so endearing, and such a ter- and some ways a real terrifying character as well. You know, just sometimes oh, definitely. Just real dark, and that made it even funnier. There's a bit of Dwight in all of us, so. So, what about you, Paul? So I'm going to kick off. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get a couple of stereotypes out of the way early on so that, you know, no one's disappointed later on. But, you know, when I think about Star Trek, there are so many characters across, you know, 40-odd years of of Trek. And so, uh, in fact, more than that, way more than that, I think, but, you know, 50-odd years. Uh, I, I, I've decided to go with Mr. Spock just pure iconic just one of those things that really drew me into star trek really early on and the fact that he is half alien and half human 
and the that the alien half of him the vulcan half of him that is purely logic driven with no emotion and the human half that's not quite able to cope with that brings about a great tension and his his uh, relationship between with Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy was just fascinating to me uh, as a kid and it continues to be now. Uh, I've enjoyed all iterations of Spock, I think. So Leonard Nimoy, the original, Zachary Quinto in the in the movies, and Ethan Peck, uh, who's most recently played in, in Discovery and now will be playing him again in, in Strange New Worlds. Uh, all of them have just brought something slightly different to the character, but just not only iconic, um, but just a really great way to frame a, a story around and to, to question morals, to bring a different point of view, to try and remove emotion from a situation. Just the, the Vulcans as a race were fantastic, but Spock, Spock is something else. Look, I, I can't say I'm surprised. I thought it, it's either got to be Kirk or it's got to be Spock. It's got to be one of them. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we've still got one of those to come. Um, but look, good choice, Paul. I think it, you're right as far as um, as far as Star Trek goes. Such an iconic character as well. Um, one that whether you're a fan or not, everybody knows who Spock is. Um, yeah. And I think yeah, just the his, the the tension that you have to be able to demonstrate. I think as a as an actor when you're playing Spock is it's it's something special. So no, look, good choice. What's next then? Okay, so the next one for me is um, now this um, this TV show. I actually think is going to be coming up for a, a rewatch for me soon. It's I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm going to go with Tony Soprano from The Sopranos, so played by James Gandolfini. So Sopranos, I think, was one of those TV shows. Um, you know, it's it's relatively old now. So it first came out in 1999, um, went until 2007. Um, unfortunately, James Gandolfini is no longer with us, but such a amazing actor. And I think that the character of Tony Soprano, not only um, basically being in, in, in charge of the mob, um, being a dad, having mm. a whole bunch of um, mental health issues, and just kind of the the cocktail of all of those things coming together, and a character which quite often um, held so much power and an authority, and just just such a great a great character which i think for me um just just embodies what a what a what a favorite a favorite character could be um has got so many good attributes um and and the sopranos tv show i just can't rank that highly enough i think i watched it twice now in my in my time and every time it's been such a great watch there's so many great supporting characters um but for me tony always comes out um, on top, and it was a show that I was I was really really sad to see end. Mm. Look, another great choice, and another one where I can't imagine anyone other than James Gandolfini playing that character. Um, really strong in his own way, terrifying. Um, I always enjoyed his scenes, uh, the therapy scenes that he had with his his, his counselor. Um, the most where he was the most sort of honest and authentic. He was always putting up some sort of a front with his family or with, with his henchmen within the, within the, within the mob. Um, yeah, a great character. And I think possibly for me, it was one of those characters I did consider, but 10, 
it's so hard, right? It's so hard to limit it down to 10. So I am really stoked that you've chosen him because I felt leaving him out of my list just didn't feel right. So, so well done. And and it's weird too when you're making a list and on on one on one side you've got the white shrewd and then you've got Tony Soprano like there yeah. they've and so what I, I I think I went for like a a bit of a, a shotgun spread of different characters that I really enjoy. So yeah. Who's next for you, Paul? Well, I've got a real shotgun <laughs> approach to this as well, so um expect to see a bit more of that from me. So my uh, my next character on the list is from a show that uh, you and I have been watching recently and I've uh, started a rewatch, uh, is Mike Ehrmantraut. So this is Mike from the Breaking Bad universe, from Better Call Saul, played exquisitely by Jonathan Banks. Uh, this, this is a character for me who just personifies someone who is, he's so methodical, he's so calm and cool under pressure in situations where he should really be freaking out he's always just takes a really objective view of things he he cuts people down to size he he works for one of the scariest bosses in all of television history and yet he will still speak his mind and stand his ground and he will not be afraid to do so at any point uh he he's clinical in his methods um so much of the ability for me to bring out his character as someone that I love has been through Better Call Saul with the time that the, the writers and directors have taken with his character to really focus in and to go deep into that family life and the history about how he has become the guy he is. Um, and yeah, I I just, he, when I started cutting the list down, he was one of the names that stayed on the list at, at all times. I never once cut him out. So yeah, Mike Ehrmantraut for me. I think uh, so. He's on my list as well, and I think you can't have a, a top ten list when your show is called the Half Mishes Podcast and not talk about Mike. Um, and I think of Mike both through Breaking Bad and obviously uh, Better Call Saul. Such a a complex character as well, um, and someone who you know really shows a lot of true grit, and someone who is both this. Uh, you know, kind of like you know, like he kind of got Jesse under his wing, kind of this 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 caring um, patreon, and also at the same time this incredible badass who will take you down um, and will carefully consider the entire situation and make some big strategic plays. And look, I think you, you do a great impersonation, Paul. I, I feel I, like for the listeners, I, I I really don't, and I really appreciate you putting me on the spot. So. Uh, I'll have a think about that and maybe come back to it and surprise you at a time when you're not expecting it. But I really like the fact that you picked up, see how I'm worming, you know, squirming out of this. Uh, I really like how you picked up about half measures because I hand on heart had not actually thought about that when I was doing this list, but you're absolutely right. And I've just looked it up while you've been talking for anyone who's ever wondered, what do these guys call it half measures other than the fact that they're clearly not prepared and make zero effort to do any sort of work around the subjects they're talking about. Uh, it's the quote from Breaking Bad that Mike delivered uh, to Walter in one of the most pivotal pivotal scenes. And by itself, the quote maybe doesn't sound quite quite as good without the context. But he basically says, moral of the story is, I chose a half measure when I should have gone all the way. I'll never make that mistake again. No more half measures, Walter. And that was that was you know how the how the name came about, right? <laughs> it's good it's good and I, I i feel like and that's always been our our play right that we're 
we're kind of like we're prepared, but we're not completely prepared. And and combined with our love of Breaking Bad and the entire universe, so it fits yeah, well. It's it's so, yeah. Definitely. So um, you you should be back up because uh, you, know, you had the same. Yeah. So um, the next character still in the same universe actually um, is I'm going to go for Sol Goodman. Nice. So and again, look, having just um, just got right up to date on Vertical Soul, and again our love for um, Breaking Bad, just such a fantastic character. Like, and you know, as was, as I've said before. He's such a scumbag, but he's such a, a genius at the same time. And he's a character who would um, steal the groceries from your grandma, but also um, have a plan to have an entire supermarket chain, give everyone millions of dollars. And it, it, he's just he's just incredible. And I think the getting the chance to see um, see Soul become Soul Goodman. And medical soul has it's been such an awesome experience because I think we kind of just got to sample the goods in um, Breaking Bad and mm. now to kind of see his origin story and see what's kind of turned him from, um, I think he's always probably been a little bit on the grey side of things, um, but really turn him into the character that he that we know him for in Breaking Bad has been such a wonderful experience. So, And, I, and when I think about Mike, and um and soul's relationship that i think of them as a bit of a tag team and i just can't not have them together so they had to go on the list for me great choice i'm loving your list which is you know for for us we don't often agree but so far you're scoring 100 percent for me this is fantastic saul goodman is is such a strong character and he is particularly in better call saul that is where, just like with Mike, we've really got to know him and, and see what's going on in his life, what makes him tick. And I think you summed it up really well when you you talked about how you know he'll he'll steal your granny's groceries, but uh, he he's got a heart of gold in there, and it it will always be for from a good place. That there will always be some sort of um, you know reason for what he's doing. Um, Bob Odenkirk as as Saul again, just he seems to he he just. He personifies that character. He and I've read that when they do takes, when they do filming, uh, I've mentioned before. I listened to the Better Call Saul podcast Insider. The number of takes that Bob Odenkirk wants to do, he's the one saying, "Can we do that again?" Rather than the the, the director, because he really wants to nail that character, and he just really just lives and breathes it. And yeah, such a watchable character. And thank goodness we've got one more season of Soul Soul to look forward to. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. What's uh, what's next for you, Paul? Next for me on the list is Jessica Day from New Girl, uh, and so a real, you know, real, real mix-up on the on the list to go from Spock to Mike Ehrmantraut to Jessica Day. Um, I found when I started looking at the list, I, I had so much comedy in there, so many comedy characters that I just love, and I just had to. You know, there wasn't there, was a, there wasn't room for them all, but Jessica Day was one of the ones that just stayed with me uh, for a number of reasons. Um, her her personality and her attitude to life, her approach to life. Uh, there are elements of of Jessica Day that remind me, in parts, my wife, in parts, my daughter, and in parts, people that I've just met throughout life that I just love, and I think. Um, yeah, she was one of those characters that I really, 
when I first watched New Girl, I'd heard, oh, this is funny. People love this show. And I just thought, well, I don't know much about it. I knew Zoe Deschanel from uh, the movie M. Night. I can't pronounce his name. You know, the guy. Shyamalan. That's the one. Yeah. I'd, I'd seen her in one of those uh, in that, those movies. But um, she really owns that character. Um, the way she dresses, the the number of tweets that I respond with a Jessica Day gif is just off the chart because she just has so many great facial expressions and, and one-liners. Um, she's she's a character who, if, if they made a spin-off of that show, I would just watch immediately. Just hilarious and just such a quirky sense of life that's really quite childlike but inspiring. It's a... It's a great choice. Um, I don't like. I feel like I've seen bits of New Girl, but it's a show that's kind of been on my on my list that I should kind of get on there as a as a palate cleanser because I know a lot of people talk so highly about the show, mm-hmm. and I I know enough about the character to know that it, it's great. So look, it's a it's a good choice, and I know that you're a, a super fan. Absolutely. <laughs> What's next for you, Dan? So probably uh, another choice for me would be um, Idris Elba as Luther. So mm. another BBC show. Uh, Luther is one of those shows that's definitely in my top ten. I think he's just a, a character that has a really strong on-screen presence. Um, he's a character that I think if if it was if this was set in America, he's the type of character who would probably kick in a door, pull out a gun, and shoot some people. Um, but in in a Luther setting. There is no weapons. He he is the weapon, and like he, he's not a violent character. So his his presence is so controlling, um, and has so much sort of authority to it. And I think the way like he's a sort of highly intellectual character. The way he goes about solving cases, um, he's someone who I think that like, you would want on your team. He's definitely a bit of a an individual, but he he's just a big he's a powerhouse, and one of my favorite characters. Nice. I I love Luther. Great TV show. Um, his again, it's another one of those shows where s- some of my choices, and I, th- I get a sense yours are too, is the actor or actress who play them have, have made that character so much more. They've just embodied the spirit of the character, and Luther is just such a top show. And he's you know he's such an intelligent guy. He can come across as ruthless, but he really cares. And his uh, his relationship with um, uh, Alice is uh, is is fascinating as well. That sort of continuing theme throughout the show, and Idris Elba as an actor, I think I've loved him in everything he's done. Really, from 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 Star Trek all the way through, uh, I've just found him to be a, a fascinating. To actor. the Wire, to Fast and the Furious, he's he's great. So there we go. You you brought it up this week though, so I did. You know. That was my own fault, right? Indeed, indeed. What do you got, Paul? What's next? Next for me is Lieutenant Columbo, played by the amazing Peter Falk. So this is uh, the 1960s, 70s TV show, Lieutenant Columbo, and also came back uh, again uh, from 1989 to 2003 for a a bit of a reboot. Um, I actually discovered Columbo in that reboot, so I never saw the original Columbo, which of course is the the main series. Uh, So I saw him in in his older years. I just found Columbo... And I still find Columbo to be an absolutely fascinating character. He's, it's the way he comes across as being really not that capable 
and quite clumsy and quite ditzy. He's always losing things. He looked sort of, uh, you know, his jacket is crumpled. He's never made an effort to make himself look presentable. He's disorganized in his approach to his work. But, and it's never been truly established whether it was an act or if that's who he is and he's just a genius. But at no point is he ever missing a beat on the crime. And as you watch the show, you just watch how he slowly un- unfolds all of the details and puts everything together. And obviously, being a TV show, he solves 100% of the crimes. Um, Columbo is one of those interesting shows because it shows you how the murder typically is is committed. And then you see Columbo turn up and he has to solve it. So there's no, there's none of that mystery, which you get with most TV sort of murder mysteries in terms of who done it. It's actually, we know exactly who's done it and we know exactly how they did it. And then Columbo comes in and puts it all together. And he's just, you know, he's always asking people questions. He just gets on people's nerves. And Peter Falk as Columbo is, uh, is for me, again, top 10. You're an old man, Paul. You're an Thank old you. man in a young man's body. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. I, I have nothing to say on this. I, I, I can phone my dad in. I don't know. I, wow. I, okay. <laughs> there's, there's some serious to go onto your watch list. One day, one day, one day. <sighs> Look, I, I, don't, I don't know where to go with that. Let's, let's, just, let's jump straight Great. into your list. Great. So the next character for me um, is George Costanza from um, from Seinfeld. So Jason Alexander. Um, I think you know, much like before, where there's a little bit of Dwight in all of us, there's a little bit of George in all of us too. And I think um, there's just so many great George moments where he's um, just over internalizing a situation. He's um, worried about small things that don't matter um he's he's just such a funny character and i love his insecurities and also his confidence um and i kind of love how angry he is as well and he's just he's just this little ball of rage um and there's just so many everyday george costanza moments which you can kind of see playing out in your own life and he's He's he definitely is one of my favourite Seinfeld characters. Um, I know there's a lot of love for for Kramer, Elaine, and and Jerry, but but George, he's just he's something special. Um, I I don't think that show would be anything without him. Um, and I'm so glad that we have George Costanza in our life. Look, everything you've just said is entirely true and i entirely agree with and furthermore george is is on my list uh i had a feeling this would be where we would where we would cross over um and so i deliberately put him towards the bottom of the list to give you the opportunity to to talk first so um that worked out well uh look just terrific just i'm really i'm really uh excited about the idea of doing a top 10 comedy characters list one day as well because i mean and and that one i'd love to rank because george is just so good i don't know if i've seen a tv character that has made my wife laugh as much as george and that just increases my love of george as well uh he is incredible again jason alexander 
there's no one else in the world who could have played that character, you know, modeling it off of Larry David, which he didn't realize he was doing at the start, apparently. Um, just fantastic. And I think the fact that you and I are into the Seinfeld rewatch has, has certainly brought it home more. But I can say hand on hat, even if I wasn't watching Seinfeld right now, George was going to be on the list because he's, he's too good. And I've got my arms in the air because I'm just, you know, just like, he's, he's too good. It's too good. You could bring the emotion. You could bring the emotion. Yeah, look, same here. I think even having not watched it, if I hadn't have been watching it, he would have been on the list because he's just such a he's such a classic character. Yeah. Um. All right. So, um, conscious of time, so maybe we sort of whip through these ones a little sure. bit a little bit faster for the for the listeners' sake. Um. So the next one for me is a show that I both love and love to hate. The Walking Dead, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Rick Grimes. So Andrew Lincoln's as um, as Rick Grimes, particularly seasons one to six, one to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Rick Grimes, such a great character. Particularly, um, I know you've talked about this before. Of you know, uh, English actor who has played some quite different roles in the past to kind of take on this um, American sort of southern um a uh, character and i think a, a character which i think wears the the weight of the world on his shoulders has constantly got the the well-being of the the group particularly in those early seasons on his mind as well as managing his family and um and everyone else i just think such a such a great character and it's kind of um Again, but we've talked about time and time again. It's a it's a shame Walking Dead has kind of gone where it's gone because I think back in its heyday, it was one of my favourite shows of all time, and that was because of Rick. Another crossover for us. So this is going to help us on the time that we're trying to make up here. He's on my list. Uh, everything you said, I agree with. A great leader of people, someone who was forced into leadership almost without even sort of asking for it, and just handled the job so well. Um, Everything you said about Andrew Lincoln, I've talked about this before. I can't imagine him now as that English guy I knew as Simon and Teachers. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant character. And I know, you know, my wife would, would agree with me on this. She's a, a huge Rick Grimes fan and it's never been quite the same as it, that show. And so for a show that you and I and many other people absolutely love just to all sort of say it's just not quite the same because of one actor, I think speaks speaks to that or at least to one character, speaks to the, the quality of that actor. Um, and, yeah, his, he wears the emotion on his sleeve and the, the facial expressions he's, he's, he, he's capable of. It has amazed me that he hasn't done more because I just think he's that good a quality of a lead actor. And I know we talk about having him back as a, as a Rick Grimes movie or a trilogy of movies, but, but what else is he going to do? Because I'd be keen to see him again, uh, Andrew Lincoln. And I know I'm focusing on the actor, not the character here, but for me, I can't separate the two and uh, a great choice. Yeah. And, and look, grizzled, grizzled Rick Grimes is such a great, a great Rick Grimes. And, you know, I could easily probably rewatch some Walking Dead up to a certain point because it is, it is so good. Anyway, that's probably in a whole nother conversation. So, uh, so you had Rick as well. So I'll hand back to you. Who else is on your list? Paul? So on my list uh, again, stereotype Paul. Here we go. Uh, it's Doctor Who, and this is a character that I've loved since childhood. Currently uh, being 
portrayed by the actress uh, Jodie Whittaker um, from Broadchurch and other shows. Um, I haven't seen as much of the Doctor um, since she's taken over that role, but every iteration of the Doctor I've enjoyed for the most part, I think. Um, probably Colin Baker uh, was my Doctor growing up in the in, in the 80s, as it were, and so I've got a special sort of um, place in my heart for him. But just this fascinating character that can travel through time and space and what makes it interesting when I'm talking about him as a him and her as a character being so so good is because each iteration of the Doctor, each time the character dies and is replaced by a new Doctor and a new actor or actress, you get a new personality sort of that comes to the mix, and so that that dynamic keeps changing, um, which keeps the show fresh all the time. Um, and but the Doctor always has core beliefs um and uh, like a, a set of values that he or she is always sort of stayed true to and yeah some of the effects back in the in the 60s and 70s were pretty crazy uh and, and actually the 80s as well but the the latest um series ever since we sort of had christopher eccleston david tennant and matt smith and so on has been really top draw and uh, there's just so much doctor who to watch that i've got to be honest and say i'm never going to get around to watching it all but as a character, um, they're in there. Yeah, another um, another interesting choice. Another, um, I, I think. Yeah, when I think about Paul, I think Star Trek. I think Doctor Who. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to know what else you think. I, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to go any deeper. I don't want to give away the the passwords to your. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> to your various accounts. Um, okay, so the the next character that I've got on my list, um, and this probably is a little bit of recency, is I'm going to go with Saul Berenson from Homeland. So I just freaking love Saul as a character. I love that he is an old school spy living in a, a modern CIA world. He is thinking about like big picture um, economic, political impacts. He trusts and believes in Carrie, but also she's his worst nightmare at the same time. I just think he's so solid as a character. And every time I see um, the, I see the CIA not treat him with the respect I think he deserves, it really enrages me because I think this this man embodies the CIA. He is everything about this organization. Mm-hmm. And um, when people like Da Adele are messing with him, not on my watch, Da, not on my watch. I am overwhelmed by how great your list is, Dan. This is fantastic. Saul Berenson is amazing. Um, we talked about it in last week's in last week's podcast, and he. Oh, I don't know what else I can add to what you've said, but his his delivery of of lines when he's angry is second to none in any television show. Uh, his commitment to finding the truth, his commitment to always being, you know, high integrity, high values, um, doing the right thing. It's like one of the things that I love about Homeland, and this is what Saul uh, personifies, is it doesn't show the Americans as being always in the right and the ones who are winning it shows a true story of the fact that actually they're to blame for so much of what's wrong and the character saw is always at the heart of doing what's right not necessarily what's uh, in america's best interest but in terms of what's right for humanity and um so much about his character is fascinating um you're right we're gonna have to do a deeper dive on homeland at some point 
he's a character too. I think where like I've, I would love him to be my mentor because I feel like he's the type mm. of person you could go to. Here's my problem, and he'd just give you this look, and he'd be like, "What are you going to do about it?" And you'd solve your own problem, and that'd be great. So hey, imagine and, him as president. Incredible. One quick shout out as well. Um, I noticed oh, might have been in season, might have been in this season, maybe season five. Uh, there's actually an episode called Better Call Soul. Yes. In Homeland. Yes. So good. So good. I love that. So uh, next for you, Paul. So next for me uh, on my list, where are we? Here we go. Um, is Dana Scully from the X-Files. So this was, uh, this was a difficult choice for me because I, you, you know, when you're going through, I don't know how you did your list, but I was just looking at shows I love and just sort of picking out characters. And I, so I love Mulder as well, but there was too much about Mulder, which I felt, and I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that I'm Mulder at all, just before I sound like I am, but there was so much about him that I could relate to for myself in terms of, you know, the I want to believe poster on the wall and the sort of like complete sort of focus on science, bit of an atheist, um, I I found as I started thinking about the X Files, what I enjoyed the most was actually the the relationship that Scully and Mulder have, but actually Scully's commitment to her faith, Scully's commitment to to what is right, um, and keeping Mulder in check. I felt she was a really strong character. She was one of the first um, characters that sort of made me feel like characters like Mulder, the way they were sort of acting, need to be a bit more respectful. And Scully is just, I'm, I'm not framing this that well, but she's shes one of those characters that really um, is, you would, you would see her as being a good mother. She's, and again, I see sort of things in my own wife, who I know is going to listen to this podcast, but I see things in Scully that remind me of, of, of Diana. And um, that probably brings about my my love for her character so um yeah dana scully played by uh Gillian anderson i think too you can't have there is no model without scully right and yeah. i think um scully for me always grounded molder and yes yes that's it yeah and i and i think it's uh, that's probably another show we should probably rewatch it sometime eh? it's probably i'm not sure how well it's going to date uh given some of the effects now but i imagine it's still a, a fun rewatch at some point Definitely, and um, it's, 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 a, it's nine seasons, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the um, so number nine on my list, so two to go, is I'm going to go with another um, comedy actor, a show we've already mentioned on this episode, um, Arrested Development. So I'm going to go with uh, Job Bluth. Uh, and I, you haven't watched Arrested Development, have you, Paul? I'm no. going to be giving you about as much response as you gave me to Columbo for this, because I know nothing. <laughs> So Joe Bluth is basically one of the uh, one of the sons in the Bluth family, and he's kind of the freeloading son, used to getting handouts, um, and he's really focused his energy on becoming a magician, and it's just so good. Every, everything about the Job character, like Job is a real scumbag. He will definitely do whatever's best for him, and he's going to do. Um, uh, He's looking to progress his magic career. He's looking to be something um, much bigger than he is. And his arrogance is, it, look, it's it's great. I, when I think of Arrested Development, and I was really torn between Buster and Job, but um, I went with Job, just one of my favorites. Nice. Well, I'm definitely going to have to watch this show um, at some point uh, because I've heard so much about it from you, from my brother-in-law, and um, 
the fact that you're calling out a character in the top 10, that's enough for me. This, this is the first character that you've mentioned that I, I don't know. So I feel like I need to go explore that. Just like I'm sure you're about to go and dive into some Columbo um, as well. So, uh, okay. I'm going to pop the kettle on. Watch some Columbo. Get my nan round. That's, that's a great way to spend the weekend. Next for me uh, is, and I'll be interested to see if this character is on your list, uh, is William Adama. So this is the uh, commander, the admiral from Battlestar Galactica. Again, I'm sort of reverting to type a little bit here, but this is perhaps for me, and I've mentioned it before, the embodiment of what a leader is, is someone who you would follow, someone who you'd go into battle for, someone who you'd die for. And again, Edward James Olmos, the actor, the voice, that grisly, just kind of you know, like how I talked about Mike Ehrmantraut's voice, um, the, the William Adama voice is just so delicious to listen to. And every scene he's in just carries so much emotion and I don't mind saying in Battlestar Galactica, when, when he says, I'm putting the fleet back together, I'm putting the family back together again. I've watched that show three times and each time I watch it, when I even get to that point, it, it's just, it's too emotional. It's it's just too much. I can't cope. It's, it's superb. And his, his, he's in a really difficult situation, his character in terms of the world he's facing. He thought he was basically about to retire and suddenly the ability for him to save the, the, the humanity is all on him. I can't say enough about this character. William Adama is the greatest leader, captain, and I'm, you know, huge Star Trek fan. I'm putting them all to one side. William Adama. Great. Look, this is a really great choice, Paul. I'm both happy and mad that I didn't think about Adama myself because such a great choice. And I think he's another one of those characters who, as you said, you would follow into battle. He could be your dad, he could be your mentor, he's someone that you look up to. And I think when an actor and a character can inspire that level of emotion in you, because even hearing you say, I'm getting the fleet back together, I'm getting the family back together, even I feel myself being like, yes, yes, we're doing it, we're doing it. So that's that's an awesome choice. And could you imagine being led by Adama, Saul Berenson, Mike, like imagine them as the as your captains on the ship. Incredible. That, or or just, a, just in the office where you work as a management team, I'll take that as well. That's that's fantastic. And I, I want to shout out just to, and I don't know their names, I'm sorry, but the directors of Battlestar Galactica, what they always did really well with William Adama, with, with, with Edward James almost, is they focus in really tight on his face. And you, you'd often get the reflection of his glasses. You could see, you know, his, his face was, you know, just looked, so much emotion in his face and he didn't have to say too much sometimes because his eyes did the talking and again i'm focusing in on the actor but i can't separate the two out again just just brilliant so uh i'll hand back to you for your uh, next my one. final my mm. final so um yeah this this final slot was a tough one actually there, there's many different ways um i could have gone here but i've actually gone for Tyrion lannister um who's played by um Peter um, Dinklage on the Game of Thrones. So Tyrion Lannister um, is obviously one of the, the Lannister children. Um, they often call him the half-man or the dwarf. Or And Tyrion, for me, I think is the, you know, I can't talk about how furious I am about the ending of Game of Thrones. But, but before the ending, 
Tyrion was such a great character because he was the character that was always um, like the the black sheep of the family, hated by um, his sister and his own father hated him. And he is just the character who was like witty and smart and actually helped bring the realm together um, on several occasions. And he's the character that a lot of people love from Game of Thrones. And I think the way the the show concluded didn't do anything like it, it kind of um sullied the experience that we all had for mm. um eight or nine years while this has been made because of some terrible um writing and direction at the end but for me uh Tyrion Lannister all-time favorite character super funny um and just a a, a solid actor nice well, again, another character I can't really talk to, but I know I've, I've I've heard a lot of people talk, as you just have, about this character. So um, it sounds to me like they just need to come back and redo the last season because it sounds like, you know, we've talked about this before, everyone's just hates that last season, including the actors. It sounds like, why don't they just redo it? Let's, let's get the Snyder cut in. Look, look, I think even just, like, I could live with the like the final season isn't great, but even just I would settle for a recut of the last episode. Um, would probably give people better closure. Anyway, I, I can't talk about it, Paul. I'm I'm going to get upset. Okay, <laughs> let me let me close this out then with my final character, um, who is from a show I know you also like, uh, Coronation Street, and that is. I can tell by your face, you know, I'm just, okay, obviously it's not from Coronation Street. No, this is Sherlock Holmes, and this is specifically Sherlock played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, it's a little bit naughty because, of course, this comes from a book, and I know we've sort of, we've avoided films and we've gone with TV, but, you know, it's a TV show, and so, uh, look, I'm making up the rules as I go here, so I'm including it. Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock is just one of those characters that I would never tire of watching. I've rewatched the the four series um, that they've made so far um, at, at least three times. It's always funny. He's so quick-witted. His relationship I've talked about before with Martin Freeman is just spot on. He's, you know, the character Sherlock is just so intelligent and, and is, it just thinks on levels that most, most humans can't. Um, but there's just a certain swagger about his character, his his inability to see the simple things that us common folk can can take for granted. He can't grasp those simple things. Um, I just find fascinating, and so much about the character. And there's other iterations of this, as I've talked about, you know, with Elementary. But there's so much about the BBC series Sherlock and the character Sherlock that is just for me. That's that's my Sherlock, and. I desperately want him and Martin Freeman to make up and, and whatever has happened with them just to, to get that show back on the ground because uh, we've only had four series and we need more. Is the beef is it the problem? Well, again, it's rumours, so who knows what the truth is. I mean, these guys are both now really, really busy. I mean, Martin Freeman has just gone on and done so many wonderful things and he's always great value in everything. Benedict has, you know, again, got his own film career going. I just think scheduling them together. But there was some talk about the two of them falling out, which is always upsetting, you know, just like Stephen Merchant mm -hmm. and Ricky Gervais, mm -hmm. these great people that work well together. Why can't they just all get along? Very disappointing. This is news to me as well. It's probably a whole new episode, like potential fallouts of, um, you know, famous fallouts that have sort of stopped ongoing episodes. I've got so many questions. Um, yeah, look, great choice. He's a great character. Um, 
I know you um, haven't watched all of the Marvel films, but have you watched uh, Doctor Strange? That was one of the ones that I have watched. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, no, look, really fascinating um, choices, I think, as per usual. Um, We've had a few that have crossed over, a few um, differences, a few, I guess, what more would you expect? Of course, there's going to be some uh, some Star Trek and some some Fast and the Furious in there, but you know, some great we are lists. what we are. Some great lists. Honestly, honestly, I can look at your list and say at least eight out of ten. For me to rank you out of ten, eight out of ten, Dan, is something I've never done before. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Paul. I appreciate it. So um, before we wrap up, Paul, um, you were going to talk to us about a couple of things. I was. Uh, I was going to talk about the mailbag uh, mm-hmm. just really quickly. Uh, there hasn't been anything specifically uh, reaching out to us, but as we do, the social media manager after every podcast tweets out and um, puts up some posts on Instagram of the things we've been talking about. And we've had like well over a dozen interactions with the writers, directors, and stars of those things that we've been talking about. So um, in terms of Bosch, um, we had... Uh, retweets from the writers uh we had retweets from actors um de agent uh, charlie hoven uh, played by celestino cornell who you may know as raldo el sprozo or something like that from the fate of the furious so there you go you finally got a bit of endorsement from finally the, the it's furious. All coming together. um madison lintz who plays maddie bosch retweeted us uh We've also had uh, people adding our Instagram posts to their stories, which has been really, really exciting, both uh, across Homeland and Bosch. Um, we've had our favorite character, Beryl, uh, from from Bosch, also got involved on the comments. The writer, Michael Connolly, uh, he also gave us a retweet. Uh, Amy Aquino, who plays Lieutenant Billets from Bosch. Uh, Daya Vida, uh, just... I mean, Brian D. Mays, so many people. We've had well over 12 people sort of get involved. And what I love about that, because realistically, you know, the, the retweets and the likes is, is all well and good in terms of people finding out about us. But what I love is that we're sending out positive messages that what we've appreciated about these guys worked and they've read it. And, you know, it's it's just for me, it's a way of saying thanks. And I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's getting through, right? Which is really good. Really good. Um, and also, as you would have heard, if you have... Um you've made it this far in the podcast we had a, a special intro in the podcast this morning uh today yeah so i'm really grateful to have um john champion and norman Lowe from the mission log podcast roddenberry star trek podcasts uh look if anyone else out there would love to you know sponsor one of our shows an episode or a series of episodes just like uh, mission log has then get in touch with us. And if you don't want to get in touch with us on, on Twitter or Instagram, where else can they get hold of us then? Well, it's funny you ask, Paul, because our, our new website is now live. The Half Meshes Podcast website is alive and kicking. You can see the latest episodes. You can get in touch with us. Um, yeah, look, we're going to be adding more features to the, the website as we go along, but it's a, a great place to see where the latest episodes are. Um, but, yeah. Um, you can also reach to all the other various platforms that we're involved in. Um, you can reach out to us at Half Measures Pod on Twitter. Um, I always have to check with you. I have to check your facial expression. Have I got that right? You have Half so Measures Pod podcast Pod. Facebook, Reddit, Reddit. Pinterest. 
we're on all and, of them. And yeah, and I say, contact us at halfmeasurespodcast.com. That's our website. So, uh, yeah, look, yeah, get in touch. Yeah. Um, especially if we've got something wrong, we've said something wrong, you've got a question, we'd love to talk about it. So, yeah, that's probably us for the week, isn't it, Paul? certainly is and i'm just doing a quick check yes you've got your fast and furious reference in yes i've got my stagiary reference in so thanks for listening take care have a great one adios